He's Greg. I am Nick. Thanks for joining us as always. The Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Episode brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering part of the CLNS Media Network. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Greg, let's start with the headlines. And I absolutely loved the beginning of your email today when I looked at it, when I read I really don't have much to say at this point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Nick, this is sort of where I am from you know, watching the team and watching the offensive film. And quite frankly, I haven't even gotten through the defensive film. Not that I mean, we, we know what the defensive film is going to be. It's going to be fine. They gave up the one touchdown. They gave up a couple big plays. J.C. Jackson gets burned. It's like every it's every game. I mean, Patriots film at this point is Groundhog Day. Um but with the offense getting worse every time they go out. I mean, Nick, this is I'm tr- I'm trying to compare it to last year with Matt Patricia. And, you know, it's difficult because um, there are a lot of the same problems. But I will say that I think that this year's film is worse at this point. Um, I think it's some of it is the offensive line. A lot of it is the receivers and tight ends outside of Hunter Henry. There are route issues on just about every play. There are blocking issues on just about every play. The quarterback is making terrible decisions. It's just, it's among the worst NFL film I've ever seen. This is like Jets level with Zach Wilson type film where it's just, they're trying to scrape plays together. They're trying to find anything that works, anything that gets the quarterback into a rhythm. It's not a real offense. They aren't building off anything. It's, you know, they're running the ball or quick games or very simple pass patterns, two guys out, three guys out, max protect, whatever. Just you could tell Bill O'Brien is trying anything and everything to get Mac Jones to play better, and he just can't do it. And at this point, you know, not only is Mac Jones broken, the the offense is completely broken. Um I don't know what to say about it. I don't know where even to point the fingers to where, like, everyone wants to make it easy, Nick. Everyone wants to say, it's the quarterback's problem. It's the offensive coordinator's problem. I just think it's a, I think it's a complete mess from top to bottom. And I know, I know Billy O'Brien. I know he's a good coach. At the least, he's an average offensive coordinator. Uh, he... He got guys like Brian Hoyer and Brock Osweiler to play winning football, at least in a crappy division, and get to the playoffs and win playoff games. He had Deshaun Watson, had him playing at the height of his powers when you know he was the quarterback of the Texans. Um, you say what you want about it, but I still think that Deshaun Watson was a great player, and I know that Bill O'Brien knows how to do his job. I just think from top to bottom, personnel – assistant coaches, everything. It's just, it's broken. They're trying to find something that works and nothing's working. It's really a total indictment on Bill Belichick's handling of the offense and the quarterback. And this was almost the inevitability when you put all the pieces together. And Greg, you and I talked about this before the season, that this year would really be the litmus test of Bill Belichick in what his philosophy and his vision of football is compared to 2023 and what the rest of the league is thinking. And what we have is a completely broken system, as you mentioned. Speaking of Belichick, his performance during the game, what did you make of that? 
I just think that everything he chose to do in, was wrong, similar to this entire season, from his personnel choices before the season to, I mean, it's just like you, we can go through the list. Um, he plays QB games all week. He still goes with Mac Jones, even though we all, anybody who knows anything about football knows that he was he left the field broken in Indianapolis. Okay, maybe you wanted to see whether the bye week would clear his head, which we talked about last week, and you give him a chance, and maybe he practiced well. But as soon as he throws the first interception, it's over. Just like just just bench him. He it was the same sort of decisions that he's made. Uh, he he doesn't kick the field goal. 54, 55 yards early on in the game when you knew points were going to be at a premium. You traded up for a kicker in the fourth round. I'm sorry. Kicking a mid-50s field goal is part of the job description for an NFL kicker these days. I mean, you watch the guy in the the Eagles kicker kicks 59 yards in the rain, which was it wasn't raining at, at MetLife Stadium at the time of that field goal attempt. The weather hadn't gotten bad yet. He doesn't kick it takes a delay, the Eagles decline the penalty. I thought the Patriots would then go for the field goal. He doesn't do it. He doesn't go for fourth and inches. He burns a timeout with this whole charade of Ezekiel Elliott and Hunter Henry and Bailey Zappi going out. He doesn't go for the win. The The kicker that you traded up for misses a chip shot field goal to put it in overtime, which saved us all another 10 minutes of horrible football. I mean – Basically, anything Bill decides to do this entire season, and you could go back to last year, none of it works. None of it. He would be better off taking the George Costanza approach of if your initial instinct is wrong, just do the opposite. And what Bill, he should have been bizarro Belichick. He just should have been like, well, what would I normally do? Now, I'm going to do the opposite. And they probably would have won going away in this game. But this is where they are, where the head coach can't even get anything right. And we hear from Bill O'Brien today with the media. Sounds like they're going to handle the quarterback situation the same they did last week, which wonderful, is just, wonderful. it's absolute insanity. What are, what are we doing? I know a lot of us has, have asked that question on a number of different levels with Belichick, with the quarterback, with all of this. Just this, I called it yesterday on my podcast, the Nick Cattle Show, the traveling circus. It's going from town to town. Put the tent up, rip it down. Put the tent up, rip it down. Go to another town. It's a circus. It's an absolute circus. It's bananas. And none of it makes any sense from a logical standpoint, from a football standpoint, from any standpoint. It makes no sense. I don't know how you don't pull Mac. First of all, I don't know how you start Mac on Sunday. Reports are that it was a fairly close competition during the week. I have no idea how you start Mac to begin with. I don't know. I don't know how you don't pull him after that first pick, as you said, Greg. Second pick, you could argue, well, you know, maybe Belichick wanted Zappy to start the second half clean, and maybe that was his thought process. But he, he but oops, sorry, I just punched the microphone. But he, <laughs> he benched Mac. He benched Mac at the end of the game in Germany. So if you feel comfortable enough to bench Mac at the end of the game in Germany against the Colts, you should feel comfortable enough benching Mac towards the end of the first half and, and allowing Zappi to go out there after that second pick. None of it makes sense. And as far as the kicker goes, I, I hate to do this, but we have to. Nick Folk this year, 22 of 23. Oh, Nick, he can't kick any field goals past 50 yards. Breaking news, last year, between 50 yards and 59 yards, Nick Folk was four or five. This year, 
Guess what he is? 50 to 59 yards. He's four for five. So is wow, Nick Folk wow. just completely incapable of making kicks beyond 50 yards? Or was the head coach again being super conservative like we saw on Sunday? It's just, it's over and over and over again. And honestly, Greg, I know there are some people out there that are trying to justify they're trying to reason why Belichick is doing this stuff. Some people believe he's tanking on purpose, which is, to me, comical. Can we just say what it is? This is a guy who has stood by his principles and his philosophies, and it seems like th- those have aged out. This team is not evolving. He, he, he has no idea what to do offensively with the staff, with the quarterback, with the pieces, with the offensive line. He's lost a ton of staff the last several years. They're just not good. Stop trying to justify this mess, everybody, for who's doing it. Stop trying to talk yourself into this idea that Belichick is tanking on purpose to get a top three pick. Just call it what it is. A spade is a spade. This team stinks, and Belichick has not been good. Fact, period, end of sentence. Nick, uh, a couple things on this, and we might as well get into it a little bit now. You know, I don't believe in the tanking thing, but I will say this. If Belichick runs Mac Jones out there again, and I'm going to give give him the benefit of the doubt, like I did last week in terms of Mac getting reps and and him not making this decision, that he was leaving open the possibility that just a few days away was enough to clear Mac Jones's head and maybe get him a little bit reset, get him into a better mind space as far as playing better football going forward. But after all the evidence that there is, that there's the Mac Jones that we saw leave the field in Germany getting worse by the throw. And then the, the Mac Jones that we saw at MetLife stadium on Sunday, it's the same player. Okay. I think we can all agree on that right now. If Bill Belichick continues to run him out. And like you said, O'Brien thinks that they're going to handle the quarterback's position the same way that they did last week. And I believe that they mostly split split the reps. I know there are reports saying like the players knew all week and stuff like that. I mean, I asked Hunter Henry point blank on the podium, like when did you find out who was starting on on Sunday? And he said this morning. And so I'm going to take him at his word. I mean, I asked him point blank at the podium. I don't think he would lie about that. He would probably just avoid the question. But if Bill runs Mac Jones out there again, I'm going to leave open the possibility that Belichick's trying to get fired, trying to get maybe available when the Panthers have an opening, the Raiders have an opening, who knows, maybe somebody else will make a move. I don't know. This stuff hasn't entered my mind at all. I have too much respect for Belichick and the process and how he goes about his things, his job and his duties, because he's doing the same thing that he's done for the 50 years that he's been in the league. But if he runs Mac Jones out there in the state that he is, the level of belief that his teammates don't appear to have in him, like I have to leave open the possibility that he is he is trying to put the crafts in a position where they're just like, what is Bill doing? Like we if he's not going to make the right decisions, then we have to make the right decisions for the football team for Mac Jones. I'm just I don't want to go there, but his decision making is making me. Two things on that. Number one, that would be chicken bleep. 
if, if after everything that Belichick has said and everything he has done and everything that he has expected from his players, that would be the most chicken shit approach by Bill Belichick that you could ever imagine that he is he's quietly quitting on this football team and he's quietly quitting on this organization. That'd be brutal. Number two, that's just awful for Mac Jones. And I'm not defending Mac Jones. He should not have started against the Giants. He should be benched. He's broken. Yada, yada. We've talked about it a billion times. Don't at me. Follow me, though, at Nixie Radio. (laughs) It would just be completely unfair to the young man because you see that he's broken. He should not be out there. And if you're throwing out Mac Jones as the sacrificial lamb to get yourself fired, you suck. Like, I'm sorry that you suck at, at, at what you're doing. I'm not telling you as a person you're terrible. I'm not, I'm just saying that the job that you're doing, if that's if that's the road that we go down, if you're throwing Mac Jones to the Lions so you can lose games and so you could look better or you could get fired, that's a joke. Because you're you're further ruining that that young man's career and giving him less of a chance at continuing his career off of selfish needs and desires. And that would be ridiculous the quarterback communication thing greg i would say because you mentioned you asked hunter henry this was my best guess on my podcast yesterday and again greg and i i think all of us are at this point now we are trying to make sense out of a senseless abomination we're throwing darts folks because there's no clear logic behind much of this of what's happening in foxborough we're at the point we're throwing darts I do wonder if it's just a case of gray area. And what I mean by that is the lack of communication. And maybe Hunter Henry wasn't told straight up clearly that Mac was going to be the guy. And maybe that announcement officially wasn't made until Sunday morning. And maybe the other players on the team, some of the other guys, because I know Ramondre and Zeke told Mark Daniels of Mass Live that they knew Mac was going to start all week long. I just have to wonder, Greg, if they surmise that because Mac... Because Mac actually led the rotations and they took it as, well, yeah, Zappy's getting more reps, but Mac is still kind of leading and he's the first guy with the ones. So until that switches, we're not going to have a quarterback change. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I, I think it's we're, we're in the gray areas. But I also I'll also say this from checking around with the team. And I think I might have asked a few questions about this in the press conferences, but. Look, Nick, I don't know if you agree with me, but where they are, especially at the quarterback position, you would expect, and we've heard periodically, sporadically over the years about Bill Belichick and the captains and leadership meetings and things like that. I don't know when that goes on, how often it goes on, but you would think, okay, if you if you are a normal NFL head coach and you had a normal NFL locker room and a normal NFL hierarchy that the head coach, if there was any doubts about what to do at the quarterback position, about who was following who, you know, are 80% of the players out on Mac. Don't you think the head coach would go privately at least to say David Andrews, Hunter Henry, maybe even Zeke, um, who knows, maybe even Trent Brown or Michael Wenu, that he would go to these guys, at least let's say David Andrews and Hunter Henry, the two offensive captains besides Mac Jones, and just say, what do you think? Where do you think the guys are? Where's your belief in Mac? 
What do you think I should do? You're a veteran. You played a lot of games. What do you think? Normally, you would think that would go on. That is not going on with this team. And I find that absolutely ridiculous that Bill Belichick is just descending more and more to his his foxhole, his foxhole of one. It's my decisions. I mean, we heard Bill O'Brien today talk about, I think Karen Gregan asked him about like, as offensive coordinator, do you have the power to basically be like, Bill, we're sitting Mac this week. And he basically said, no, that it's the hierarchy is Robert Kraft, Bill Belichick, and then the assistants are basically pissants. And they really don't have any input. I mean, what kind of show are you running here? How do you not ask David Andrews and Hunter Henry? Maybe, hey, I just want your two cents. I'm not saying you do what they say, but get their get their feedback. You know, where are we going as a team? Where's the level of belief? That's not going on. Bill is just doing this his way for whatever motivations, and it's not helping the team at all. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. I love the app. I use it all the time, all over the place. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL, FanDuel, official partner of the NFL, 21 plus and present in mass. Hope is here. First online real wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued at non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, Greg, uh, we just did a little bit of that autopsy, so let's now move forward. Let's move forward after that awful Giants game on Sunday. You've seen a lot in this league. You've covered multiple teams. You've done national work. You've seen a lot of different rebuilds. You've seen teams collapse. You've seen it all. And I know you wrote a piece over the weekend, and I read it. Uh, from beginning to end, uh, about Kraft and and kind of the plan moving forward and what the Patriots should do now as they look at this situation. And uh, I want to go question by question here, but the first thing I will ask you was not really, I don't think it was part of your story, but I just want your thoughts on this because I, I actually just did a podcast on this today. If you're the Patriots, and I know Tony Maz wrote about this in 98.5 the Sports Hub as well, do you just fire Belichick right now? And we've gone through, and what I don't want to do is I don't want to look at this with sentimental value. Because we've talked about, you know, Kraft won't fire him because of the respect factor, blah, blah, blah. Just look at it from a football standpoint. Should they just fire Belichick right now and get get over this, this bleep show that we're witnessing? So setting aside the respect factor, um, which you you know alluded to as far as what I am seeing on the field should the should the coach be fired and based off my history covering the league no he should not they're still playing very hard the defense is playing well the punt team had a good game against the Giants on Sunday uh, the offense is just 
completely broken at this point from head to toe. They can't, they, they don't know what direction they're going. Um, so just to answer that question, I would not fire Belichick just based on what I am seeing on the field. All right. Next question. Whether now or later, Greg, we all pretty much believe at this point that Bill's gone. Who should Kraft start talking to right now? The phone calls he should be making right now. He should, if he hasn't already, and and maybe you sit back and let things play out because you never know. They could have won their last seven games of the season and finished nine and eight and on an upswing. But I think by now, they are now assured of their third losing season in four years. They will finish with a losing record. They have nine losses now. Uh, it's, It's set that this team is now it's just a matter of, is it two wins? Is it three, four, five wins or whatever? Uh, the crafts should be on the phone and, or actually just visiting, having coffee, what have you, considering some of them are back in the area at this point, but anybody who has worked for the Patriots, especially that were here during the heyday of the Patriots and the heyday of Belichick, they should be talking to these people. They should be asking them the tough questions. They should be in, in, let's just say, Josh McDaniels is back in the area. He's right here. He was here from the, basically all, I think all the Super Bowl titles, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's correct. Uh, But he's seen a lot. He's been a head coach twice. He understands his limitations. He understands he's worked. He's been the offensive coordinator for Bill. He understands better than anybody the issues with the team, the blind spots, things like that. Josh McDaniels, John Robinson, who was fired in Tennessee, um, Thomas Dimitrov, who was a general manager on his own. I don't know if I would go back to Scott Pioli. That's a guy who's pretty loyal to Belichick, but maybe you check in with him. But basically, you go on a fact-finding mission to guys that know the building, who still talk to people in the building. Bob Quinn, who was fired in Detroit. Uh, there, Kevin Anderson, who was with Patricia in Detroit, stayed on there as sort of the Bears Nigerian. There's a bunch of guys out there who aren't working right now who used to work with the Patriots. You go to them and you ask them all the hard questions. Where are we coming up short? Why do you think things have fallen here? What would you do? How would you align things? What do you think of the coaching candidates that are out there? Any coaching candidates that we should be thinking of? What's the role in personnel? Who should be running personnel? Uh, What kind of offensive system should we be running? What do you think of Gerard Mayo as a head coach? What do you think of all these? They should be going on a fact-finding mission right now so that they arm themselves with the – get objective views on, like, where, where is this program? They're not football experts. They leave that up to Belichick. They leave that up to their head coaches. Go to these guys who have worked in the league, who have had a lot of responsibility, and ask them where this franchise has come up short and what they think what they think the crafts should do going forward. And then sort of that starts your decision-making process as we get towards the end of the season. Or the decision-making process and, and you know vetting all of those people, so to speak. Once you get to the point where you're going to move on from Belichick, how wide of a net are you casting if you're the crafts for both positions, for the head coach position and the GM position? Huge. I mean, they're the New England Patriots. Six Super Bowl titles. The banners are up there. Say what you want about the crafts or what have you. They, they, this is viewed as a 
crown jewel franchise in the NFL. It's a plum job. I mean, do people want to fill, follow Bill Belichick? No, probably not. But still, it, there, there should be enough of an opportunity. They should be talking to, once they talk to these people, compile a list. Who are the top five GM candidates? Who are the top five head coaching candidates in the league? And they should immediately move to talk to all of those people and asking them the same question. You, When you get to this point, when you are looking for a new coach, general manager, what have you, this is a chance to gain valuable insight on your franchise and where it is, where the NFL is going. They should be they should be asking all of these people where they have come up short. Where is the NFL going? How much offense? How much defense? Where where do you think this league's going to be in ten years? Who are the people that can get us there? Who can be forward thinking? Things like that. I don't care what you promised Gerard Mayo. You know, you cannot conduct this thing. This is the whole future of the franchise. You can't con- you can't conduct it like Bill Belichick looking for an offensive coordinator and an offensive line coach when you basically don't bring in anybody else. That Bill O'Brien is the only offensive coordinator. Adrian Clem's the only offensive line coach. That's no that's part of the reason why this has been run into the ground. That Bill doesn't look outside. He doesn't entertain new options. The crafts have to go into this with a blank slate. Maybe they still arrive at Gerard Mayo. That could very well be the case. But at the least, you need to go out and you need to find out what else is going on in the league because things have been done here the same way for so long, and they're in the Stone Ages in a lot of ways. Cap management, personnel, offense. Where is all of this going in the NFL? And you need to find out from these people. All right, so you've done the vetting. You've casted the wide net. How critical is it for the Patriots to align the two positions? Once you make a decision on one of them, how critical is it to make sure these guys or guy and woman in front office that they're aligned and they and they have the same vision and they're walking into this thing as a as a happy union, so to speak? Huge to me. This is this is the number one reason why franchises fail in this league. That owners either fall in love with a coach and then hire a GM that's maybe a rising star and they do these shotgun manages. It goes down in flames almost all the time. I mean, look at Vrabel in Tennessee. He was aligned with John Robinson. There was was some issues. They both sort of saw things the same way. They fired John Robinson, and now they bring in Rand Carthon from the 49ers. And look, Rand's a great guy, okay? Everybody loves Rand in the league. He is certainly He was certainly a top candidate. But he and Vrabel have no background. They haven't worked together. They didn't come up the same way. They don't see things the same way. And that can lead to issues. Look at anything with the Jets. John Idzik, when he was there with who the hell knows who the head coaches were back then with the Jets. All of the all of these terrible matchups, marriages between head coaches and GMs, they fail because these people don't have a background. I thought the, the Patriots got it right where – with Belichick is that you need to pick one of two ways. If you're going forward as a franchise, you either need the strong head coach and he vets the GM, the personnel guys, the guys that are going to do that, that he picks a guy that he finds that he's aligned with. You link them up together. Okay. Or you pick the strong GM, like say Howie Roseman in Philadelphia, where he's in charge of picking the players he hires the head coach along with the owner, Jeffrey Lurie. It's one of two ways. Like you can, it's got to be 
the strong GM or the strong head coach. And so far, they've been a strong head coach. Is that the right thing to do? I don't know. But you need to go out and you need to talk to, say, Adam Peters, who is second in command and personnel with the 49ers, who used to be here, who is a rising star who's ready to run his own department and see what he has to say. You know, if you if you interview all these guys, head coaches and GMs, whoever you think is the best person, whether that's a GM or a head coach, you say that's the guy that we want to run our organization. You hire them, and then you empower them to hire the head coach. All right, let's say that the GM's hired, the head coach is hired, and that head coach is Gerard Mayo. How much concern should there be about Mayo's assumed limited Rolodex since he's really only been in New England through his NFL career? It's huge. It's something that I've heard talking to NFL people around the Patriots, around the league about like, you know, I've been talking to people about what's next because that's everything with the Patriots right now. Is it, is it Mayo? Is it somebody else? Um, you know, I need to do more research on sort of the positive aspects of Mayo, some of his prior interviews and things like that. I, I have more work to do there. But one thing I have heard from a lot of people, and these are mostly people that are connected to the Patriots in some way, either now or in the past, if it's him and they almost universally think it's going to be Gerard Mayo, they're all like, well, what's his coaching staff going to look like? I mean, he's, he was only a player with the Patriots. He's only been a coach with the Patriots. Is he going to keep everybody? Is he going to keep everything in place? And we're just swapping out Bill Belichick for Gerard Mayo. I, I don't know how many people would sign up for that. I mean, you, a lot of people are concerned and, and the crafts need to go to Mayo and be like, okay, if you're the guy, What's your vision for this team? What are we going to run with offense? I assume it's going to be Billy O'Brien, but I don't know. Maybe he has other other options or or other visions as far as I want to run a Kyle Shanahan scheme. Okay, fine. You hire one of those guys. What happens if that guy gets a head coaching job? Now what are you going to do? Like, you know, what's your plan for everything? But a lot of people are fearful that Gerard Mayo doesn't know anybody in the league. And that's – that's rough. So they are expecting his agent is Sean Kiernan. He's a well-respected veteran agent, has a lot of coaches, GMs, things like that. Rand Carthon is one of the guys he has. Brian Flores, I think, is one of the guys he has. Um, he also works for Athletes First, which is one of the largest agencies in the NFL. They rep a lot of coaches and front office people. And so I think that Gerard Mayo probably in the last month of it looks like he needs to start getting his ducks in a row as well, talking to people as far as, you know, will you come on my staff? Who should I talk to? All of those things, because you can't just come back with the same coaching staff. It, you, you have to have ideas about how to improve things or else what's the point. So you said Bill O'Brien uh, might be the guy to be the OC for Mayo. Should O'Brien be back after what we've witnessed this year? I, I want to say yes, Nick. Uh, I have a lot of respect for Billy O'Brien. I think he's really good. I think I'll just say they, they need to figure out, they need to get to the bottom line. And this comes from talking to people like, you know, Josh McDaniels or Mick Lombardi or, you know, who whoever, who, whoever's been here. You need to find out, you need to dial in. Before you can move forward, you need to find out how did we get here? What were the problems? What were the missteps? How do we correct them? And I think I have a feeling that most of the people will be like, Billy knows what he's doing. Like you just, you just have to empower him. 
Let him go out and he picks the coaches. Whoever's running under, whoever's going under him, like Billy O'Brien gets to do it. I mean, if he wants Mike Devlin, who was his line coach with the Texans, who I think is assistant offensive line coach with the Jets now, I, I don't know. I haven't keeping track. But if Billy O'Brien wants him to run his offensive line because they know how to work together, they know, you know, without Billy doesn't need to tell him every single thing, then let him go hire that. Don't bring in Adrian Clem, you know, who, uh, you know, I haven't heard great reviews about. And so I, I don't know. I mean, look, I think the crafts want Billy O'Brien here. I think they see a marriage of Gerard Mayo and Billy O'Brien. And you can make the case that that makes a lot of sense because I don't think O'Brien is going anywhere anytime soon and would like to stay put. And that helps Mayo. And then Mayo needs to tell him, well, you need to hire a real quarterbacks coach, not Evan Rothstein a real quarterbacks coach who can actually coach the quarterback has played the position, has coached the position and that you can train in case you leave for a head coaching job at some point, just like Josh McDaniels succeeded Charlie Weiss, that whole thing, they need to get back into that, the whole thing. But if it's Billy O'Brien and I think, you know, probably he should stay. It probably is the best alignment for the Patriots if it's Gerard Mayo, but please let him hire his own offensive coaching staff. Evan Rothstein catching strays from Bedard today. All right, so if it's if it's not Mayo, but the Patriots like the idea of a former Patriot, they like the idea of a defensive mind being the guy. You wrote about Mike Vrabel uh, over the last few days. Very interesting stuff from you on Vrabel. Uh, two-part question. I know we hate two-part questions, but it is what it is. We're getting shorter on time here. A, should the Patriots approach Vrabel? B, how high on the list would he be? Uh, from what I understand, and the genesis of this is I'm talking to a bunch of players, uh, people, like I said, about the future of the Patriots. What's next? What are their options? And trying to, you know, uncover, you know, everything that I can. And, you know, one of the questions I have asked is, do you think Vrabel's an option for the Patriots? And nearly universally, the the response I got was yes. Now, do I think it's a great chance that he's even available? No. I think a lot of people were curious about his quote at halftime about how he said, uh, enjoy it. It's not like this everywhere. Uh, this is how this is a special place, things like that. We all saw Kraft and Vrabel in the owner's box talking during the first half of that game. Who knows what they were talking about? Um, I know some people talk with Vrabel when he was here. I think there's a sense the way things have gone in Nashville with the Titans that Vrabel might, I'm not saying he definitely is, but I think he could be open to listening to other possibilities. Now, I think the owner loves Vrabel. I think part of firing John Robinson was empowering Vrabel. Pairing him with Rand Carthon. Did that necessarily do that? I'm not sure. After working with Rand for a while, does Rand, does does Vrabel like the direction, the pairing with Carthon? I can't tell you for sure. I know there's some scuttlebutt about like how you know Vrabel's sort of not sure if that's the place for him anymore. His kids are older. He 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 can move if he wants. How many times is the Patriots head coaching job going to become available? Is he afraid of following Belichick? I think anybody who's ever followed Mike Vrabel in his career knows he's not afraid of anything. Um, 
We know how the the crafts feel about Vrabel. So I think it's a small chance, but if I'm the crafts, I, I give a call to the Titans and saying like, Hey, can we talk to Mike just to see, I mean, if you're, you're hiring the successor for Bill Belichick, you can't afford to leave any bullets in the chamber. All right. Uh, we'll leave the offensive line talk to a later day. And then I got a point that we can get to maybe hopefully later in the week. We're short on time. You got to go to Felger and Maz uh, to, to have fun there. So let's jump to it. The, the member question of the day. First, I'll tell everybody the episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Our friends, of course, at FanDuel, exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. New customers receive $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. You also want to check Greg out, Mike out, and the and the crew over at BSJ. Fifty bucks for the year. They do fantastic work. Again, uh, Boston Sports Journal. All right, the BSJ member question of the day, Greg. Do you care about compensation for Bill Belichick? No, I don't. I, I like everybody's getting hung up on this, and, and the, you know that the the crafts wouldn't fire Belichick because they wouldn't get compensation. Like, wh- what do I care at this point? Like, really, like. Are you trying to get the best deal? Or are you trying to just do what's best for the organization? Are they really going to go to battle stations with Belichick about compensation and and uh, you know we're holding you to your contract? And they're going to go into court like he did with the Jets? Like this is just stupid. Like either make a decision. Do you want Bill Belichick to be the head coach of your football team anymore? Yes or no? If it's no, move on. You go to him and say like, hey, Bill, this is what we'd like to do. Are you amenable to it? And if he says yes, then fine. Work something out. You can all be adults. But if he drives a, drives a hard line, if he feels like he was wrong, that he's spiteful and things like that, just get it over with. Like, I don't care about a second round pick. I don't care about a third round pick. How many picks has this organization squandered over the years, let alone cheap picks that have been taken away? Like, who gives a crap at this point? If I'm the crafts, as long as I find a way where I don't have to pay him $20 million a year, that somebody else is going to do it. If he wants to exchange $20 million a year for his freedom, fine, whatever. But I am not getting hung up on compensation for Bill Belichick. It's either over or it's not. And if it's over, move on, get going. Let's start a new era of Patriots football. I have a lot of thoughts on that. We're short on time. Greg's got to run. If you want my thoughts, the Nick Cattle Show podcast, I actually did uh, 15 minutes or so on should they fire Belichick right now, and the compensation talk is a part of that uh, segment. So check it out, Nick Cattle Show. Uh, Greg's got to run, of course, to do his work with Felger and Maz, Yeoman's work with those two gentlemen, (laughs) and also Jay Stu and and Jim Murray. Can't forget those two guys. Uh, We'll catch up with all of you later in the week. Uh, Until then, it's the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattle.